0: Welcome to Critics Not Cynics, the podcast that tries to prove that you can be a critic without being a cynic. And on today's episode of the podcast, um, it's going to be pretty much a franchise overview of the John Wick films. I had, prior to recording this week, um, had not seen any of the John Wick movies, um, the first one or the second one. and, of course, with the third one coming out this week, I decided, okay, it was time that I actually sat down, watched these movies, and saw what everyone was talking about. And so I ordered the first two on 4K physical copy and, uh, and then just recently got out of a screening for the third one uh, today as of recording. But before we get into that, I want to, one, thank you for everyone who's still sticking around, even though I've taken some intermittent breaks uh, here and there. Um, You know, I I work a full-time job in the insurance industry, which is not necessarily 100% my passion, but, um, you know, it it pays the bills, and uh, it has been very stressful time at work uh recently these past couple of weeks and so you know, getting time to you know sit down and and record in depth and 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 uh talk and discuss films and video games and other pop culture items i i just have some moments where or some days where it's just i've been completely overstressed and uh just need to to just decompress and and not recording is one of those ways it helps I can just not think about this and just go ahead and focus on some stuff that I, I just really want to just tune my mind out of and just kind of rest and relax um so some days I just I I need that and that's kind of the reason for a couple breaks here and there um and that might happen a little bit more frequently uh, as we get into the summer months my work really picks up with a peak season um around June and July and so during those periods of uh, of the the year and uh, I'm hoping to be able to keep up with with content on a more regular basis but I might have to take some breaks here and there Um, but I think everyone who sticks around who listens um to the podcast because you know I do it for you guys and um you know I, I I appreciate uh the support um Another thing I wanted to do is I wanted to give a shout out to um, the guys uh, behind the Unlisted Owner um, film. They recently did a contest uh, through Twitter uh, if you had you know purchased a Blu-ray of their um, film and uh, posted a picture of yourself with it uh, on Twitter. Um, they uh, selected a couple winners and gave them some uh, free stuff. Uh, t-shirt or a poster and um i got picked for it and they gave me a a sweet shirt um you know and and they're kind of the guys that i i put if you follow me on on my twitter i did a post about putting my money where my mouth is um about supporting independent filmmakers and independent horror and uh i purchased their blu-ray uh you know regardless of of the contest I think they announced the contest after I had even picked up the, the Blu-ray so um, you know it was really cool that I got picked for that the shirt is awesome um, you might have seen me post a picture of me in it uh, when when it arrived this past week uh, so huge shout out to to Jed Bryan um, the screenwriter and director of that film and uh, you know, go go give them a follow on Twitter. Go give Jed and uh, Unlisted Owner, they're, they have two separate Twitter pages. Go, go give them a follow and check out the film on, on Prime. Even if you're not a fan of the movie, it's streaming on there for free. And uh, it's not super long. It's like an hour and, and ten minutes. Um, so, I mean, even if you didn't enjoy it, you're not wasting a whole lot of your time. But, it, you know, it helps, you know, these independent filmmakers out there get their work around and, and spread the word and uh, those guys are great over there and very supportive of people in the community and uh, you know I've, I want to give them a huge shout out for um, you know picking me as a winner for their contest uh, amongst I believe there were two others maybe three others yeah there were three others three others that also won uh, so congrats to those other winners as well and, uh, like I said, just go give them a follow on Twitter and, and uh, check out their movie on Amazon Prime. You, you might be surprised, uh, it, you know, if you like it or not. And, like I said, even if you don't like it, you're, at least you're supporting independent cinema. Um, I also want to kind of promote a, um, a book release um, for a, a new author, um, kind of into, in the uh, f- uh, fantasy genre, um, I read this guy's kind of prequel book, but it ends up being the first 10 chapters of the actual book release, which is not, I have no issue with that. In fact, uh, I've been rereading those chapters because uh, it was a while since I read that. Um, and uh, if you want to kind of get a primer or kind of get an idea of what that book is going to be about, uh, I would recommend checking it out. I believe it is still free. Uh, so, I mean, you get about 50 pages, 50, 60 pages, 10 chapters worth of uh, free, um, of a free novel. And it's, uh, I believe the, the free bit is called The Five, uh, An Introduction to the Kingdoms of the Core. Uh, either on, you know, digital or uh, physical. I ended up, I had the digital um, copy pre-ordered as soon as I finished that, that kind of free uh, primer. And uh, then I found out, because at the time, there was no actual physical release um, set on Amazon. I found out that he was, in fact, having a physical book release of it. And um, I ended up canceling that. Digital pre-order and picked up the actual physical copy of the book. It's about four hundred ish pages. Um, the only issue so far that I see from the book, I mean, there's some few edit edit errors, but um, you know, it's an independent release. Uh, I believe it's self-published, which so I got to give the guy a lot of credit for that. Um, the only real kind of criticism I have so far is is the map uh, in the book. Like, it's a really good map. But it's kind of the, some of the words uh, for some of the locations are kind of uh, blending in with, with the color, the graying out of the map. And I, I'm one who loves looking at maps and fantasy um, novels, even sci-fi fantasy novels, um, to kind of get an idea of like where things are in relation to other things. And so sometimes I have a little hard time when I'm going back and referencing the map to kind of like see some of the names for some of the locations and knowing where they're at within the map. But that's it. That's really all I, I got so far as, as an issue on it. But I want to promote this guy's book. Um, I've kind of interacted with him on, on Facebook and um, I know he said he was very humbled that I canceled my digital pre-order to pick up this physical release. And, uh, it's really strong in characterization. Uh, I mean, it still is rereading those first 10 chapters. Um, these are characters that are very fleshed out within those 10 chapters. You kind of get a feel for the world. You understand these uh, characters motivations and each chapter is an individual character's perspective. So, I mean, if you're a fan of the game of Thrones series, you'll understand like how that is when you get the chapters that are kind of, um, you know from the perspective of bran or uh you know from the perspective of john or Tyrion, or jamie you know it's it's really well done and it's kind of in that style um i'm really looking forward to completing the whole book i in fact i took a break from reading clive barker's vo- uh, books of blood um in between volumes in in that uh collection because i'm just so excited to read it and maybe review it here on the podcast uh so if you know you got some free time got some free money uh I would definitely check this out and and give it a read and, uh, you know, help kind of um, spread the word about this author. I also want to kind of discuss before going into the John Wick reviews, um, the problem with with fandoms right now. I'm seeing this a lot, um, primarily because of Game of Thrones, but I've seen this kind of in the past with with Captain Marvel, with uh, Star Wars, with... Star Trek, um and you know, I watch a lot of people's YouTube videos. Um, you know, some guys I really like and then, you know, at times I, I kinda get ups not upset, but I get kind of turned off by their content. Uh and I understand that, um, you know, I did the I kinda did the same thing in my Captain Marvel review, the first episode of the podcast. If you haven't listened, you know, go go ahead, give it uh go give it a listen. Um i was i was kind of very uh, negative in my review about that film but mainly because of my passion or my love for for that cinematic universe for the marvel cinematic universe and deep down i am a fan of a lot of things um, i'm a fan of star wars i'm a fan of star trek i'm a fan of uh dragon ball z i'm a fan of the marvel cinematic universe i'm a fan of the dc universe i'm a fan of the tv shows um i'm a fan in general of a lot of pop culture i'm a fan of the game of thrones books and and show um and right now and i can't disagree with part of of this kind of resistance within the fandoms to certain political um Messaging put in some of these, uh, some of these series, some of these films. I don't disagree with that. I think that there's a way that you can approach that without upsetting a, a, a fan base and still trying to kind of promote a message. You've got to do it subtly. You can't do it where it's it's hitting your audience straight in the face. Um, I think one of the best things about the original Twilight Zone show and Star Trek um, primarily even going back with the original series and with DS9 um, they addressed certain political issues with an art of subtlety. Um, DS9 gets get some hate here and there um, because people don't like the fact that it's it's a more culture show than it is exploration like space exploration like next generation and even the original series uh and maybe even so much as to go far as to say voyager um even though i know that there's a dislike for star trek voyager uh the the way that they wrote those shows the way that they did those shows was in a way that kind of addressed certain complex issues but not preaching or not virtue signaling to a particular base of the audience. They did it in a way that an individual could watch the show and still enjoy it and maybe miss the messaging, miss the political messaging, uh, that was in there or maybe they did catch it and, and it kind of sits with them and they ruminate on the thoughts and, and, uh, that it maybe sits with them longer and maybe can make them more empathetic or sympathetic to a particular plight or a particular issue. And nowadays, it seems like primarily like in Supergirl on the CW, the whole kind of alien racism thing going on in that show right now is to kind of talk about, you know, our current immigration crisis in, in the United States uh, current political infighting regardless of if you're on the left or the right or in the middle uh, about you know white supremacy and, and things that you know Charlottesville and, and those things but they're not doing the issue justice by preaching or uh, you know just trying to hit you over the head with the message but the problem with with the fandoms um certain fandoms reactions and we see this primarily with the game of thrones thing currently going on with um season eight the final season uh you know a lot of people are signing a petition right now to have the show the season itself rebooted with better writers and not because of necessarily any political messaging, but because of, of how, they f- they, how they feel like they have some ownership, which in, in an extent, they do have some ownership to these series and to these franchises, but not to the extent that they can dictate what writers do. Um, you know, we saw this with the special edition releases of, of George Lucas's original trilogy of the Star Wars films. When he made some enhancements well people might not call them enhancements but he made some changes and we saw you know kind of a backlash from people and those complaining about well we want the original cuts or we want these because we appreciate those but you know at the time George Lucas owned that that's his baby that's his creation he's allowed to make whatever changes he wanted to make to those films and um while I agree that season eight of Game of Thrones is felt rushed. Um, you know, a lot of people are complaining about certain characterizations and as the time of recording, you know, I have not seen the, the finale yet. Um, it's not aired yet. I won't really get to watch it until Monday because you know, I go to bed early on Sundays for work, uh, cause I get up super early to work out and then go in to work. Um, so I really won't be able to comment on to how the thing ends until maybe next week's podcast. Um, but, you know, they, some people have complained about Daenerys and Targaryen's characterizations. And what I find funny is, like, the, the signs for what happens in the episode before the finale. Although it may not make sense in the aspect of what you've seen on television, if you're paying attention to things that were set up from the seasons past... Uh, knowing the history of, of the Targaryen line it, it actually makes sense um, it may have not been done the way that she wanted it to be done uh, or it may have not been expressed in the best way but they were working within the constraints that they had I felt like maybe we should have one more season that this should have been a full 10 episode season that this season should have just focused on the White Walkers and then the final season should have focused on the fight for the Iron Throne but You know they had already stated that the that season eight would be the end they stated it was going to be a shortened season uh so they're working within the constraints that they have to work in so you know i'm i'm tired of everybody constantly complaining and complaining and complaining about how these people that work on these shows are doing awful jobs that they This is the, you know, this is the cynic part. This is the part of, this is kind of the point of the podcast is you can still be critical of something, but you can still enjoy it. You can point out things that you find wrong, but also don't forget about the things you enjoy. And just because certain things don't go your way, you know, and ultimately it is a television show. It is a book. It is a film. There are more important things in life than how a tv show or a film ends um you know particularly i'm not a fan of some of the things that they did within the last jedi on star wars but i also at at this time and at the time that it came out i said when we see the final film when we see episode nine we might appreciate last jedi more within the context of the trilogy. Um, you know I was not alive when the original trilogy was out and I was you know a young kid when the prequels came out and although at the time and I I kind of appreciate it more I went through a period of not liking episode 1 a whole lot but now when I kind of watch them more for um, May 4th um, for Star Wars Day and I watch it kind of continuously like I go from episode one to two to three to you know some of the in-between movies to trying to get to then through the original and then the uh, new trilogy um I kind of appreciate it more in context and Attack the Clones is still my least favorite of the prequels but when I watch it kind of within context of the original of the prequel trilogy I can actually enjoy it a little bit more there are things I don't like about it that the love story aspect of attack of the clones is not great but you know the clone fight the clone war starting and the fact that it gives us the clone wars tv show um it 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 has some benefits to it so that's what you got to take in stride i i think that there needs to be a respect from both the creators and the writers and and the, the industry uh respecting fans but also the fans need to respect those people within the industry and those creators um there's got to be a give and there's got to be a take and and ultimately if you don't like it you don't have to watch it i mean i I, everyone i've seen a lot of things about how people aren't going to see uh rise of skywalker because of last jedi well fine but you know you're going to go see it because you're going to go because even if it if it ends well or if it doesn't end well you want to be able to comment on it you want to be able to join the bandwagon if it's a if it's a a dumpster fire, um, to quote someone, uh, then you, you, you're doing it to kind of join that bandwagon because you you feel that sense of entitlement. I am someone who thankfully enjoys most of the things I like, regardless of, of maybe the issues I might have with it. Um, For reference, I own the entire Resident Evil movie series. As an adaptation of the games, they're not really that great. As films, they're not really that great. But there are aspects of it that I really like. And Plus, I own almost every film in a a series. So if I own one, I kind of have to own them all. Um, And so, I, I, I think that we need to reach kind of a a level ground where we can acknowledge that some things are not done right but at the same time still be respectful and i feel like right now there's just this huge shift and honestly it's because of the political climate within the united states right now within the world right now um it's so heated and it's it's getting to a point where you can't keep it separate from just talking about these about movies about tv shows and and that's what i hate um, these, these things need to be done subtly. Um, like I said, Twilight Zone was able to teach you messages without kind of banging you over the head. And I've only watched the first three of the new one. And although I think, uh, it's not bad, it's not living up to Rod Serling's original, um, idea. And I think like its third episode was so not great. Um, and how it was portraying a very delicate issue um, primarily because it just didn't it didn't set it up well it, 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 it didn't it didn't really have much of a message other than a one-sided message And that's not how Twilight Zone really works. Re- Twilight Zone was to kind of show you both sides and then let you interpret what the morality was was or what the message was and um I mean I plan on you know watching the other episodes quite frankly I watch too many things and so getting time to everything is is really difficult um and you know now that we're kind of at the at the time of the year where tv shows are kind of having their summer hiatus uh I'll get to more stuff and uh, and, and be able to talk about it more. Like, in all honesty, I've seen, there's, to kind of give you a perfect example, there's a huge divide amongst, and I, I hate to use this kind of phrase, but it's, I guess, the best phrase to use the nerd community, quote unquote, um, about the show The Big Bang Theory. And, uh, you know, people who are maybe more in the science field of things might have more issues with how um, Big Bang Theory works. Um, or with what Big Bang Theory presents. I know a lot of people sh- say that the show makes fun of people who, who like these things as childish, as immature, as people who can't function normally within the world. And I look at it a different perspective. A lot of the conversations that they have on the show that are quite humorous are conversations I've had with my own friends. With conversations I've had with my own coworkers who like the same type of things. And if you can't watch that show... And, and I think that the the series finale just aired for for Big Bang Theory this past week. And I just watched it. And the ending, really, I kind of teared up. And, and honestly, because this is a show that's been near and dear to my heart for a long time now. And I have to thank my dad for telling me about this show. I think after the first episode aired, he called me and said, Hey, you need to watch this show. And... It has been a staple every ever since. I own every season right now, except for the the this current uh, last season, which I will be getting here eventually. But there's a point that's made in the finale to to Sheldon, uh, the main uh, one of the main characters, um, about change and about growth. And you can look at that series at a whole and look at where the characters started in season one and look at where they end up by season 12 and so those that complain about the show not portraying these are portraying nerdom within a negative light really don't understand in my opinion don't understand That these characters have gone through growth, that they've gone through trials, that they've gone through tribulations, that they are not the same characters that they were in, in, in episode one versus this episode. And the ending was very well done. And I think that that's kind of a perfect example of this kind of fight right now within the entertainment community as creators Versus fans I think creators should be respectful to fans And I think that fans should be respectful to creators Now it's fine to be critical Of some things But don't make it into a baseless attack I I saw this with, with The Chuck Wendig tweets That ended up getting him fired He attacked He got very politically charged And one thing is He was representing a company Whether he likes it or not He was representing Disney And he was representing Marvel just as much as if I had on my Twitter account who I worked for, and I would be talking about insurance and maybe criticizing certain um, insurance companies or the service that they provide to the customers or things like that, as a, or, and, and, and doing it in a vulgar way. Now, I don't care about cussing. I cuss um, quite frequently. But when you're a representative of a company, when when it says on on your account that you are a Disney, uh, Marvel, writer, um, worker, or whatever, you kind of have to then treat that as, you know, this is a professional account. You may be able to say that your thoughts and opinions are your own, but you are still a representative of that company. And that company reserves the right to terminate you for uh, any type of... Uh, you know content uh, uh, slight that you know can't can be interpreted as presenting that company within a negative light and I would see how he would get with people over politics and it's fine if it were a personal page that did not talk about you know who he worked for or representing that company that's fine but that's 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 what it was that's what was in his bio and so when you're being very vulgar and when you're attacking people and when you're attacking fans who are being critical of your work uh whether it's it's right criticism or negative criticism there is a way to be delicately handling that matter and i just i just don't know why people can't be respectful I know I got heated in my Captain Marvel review, but I also said in my Captain Marvel review, if you enjoy that movie, power to you. Uh, p- power to you if that character is representing something that you like. And I think we'll get in when I get into my review of the latest John Wick. You know there are ways to do things that show maybe a strong female character within a better light than and without beating you over the head with. It. And I think that that's what happened with it. What really kind of made me dislike the Captain Marvel movie was the marketing of it. That with, was the press tour with the actress. And, and not being able to separate the actress's personal feelings, personal beliefs from the character on the sh- on, in the film. Um, to give you an example, I don't follow Chris Evans' Twitter or anything like that. I see his stuff from time to time. But when he's doing press tours or when he's talking about the movies that he's in, he, he does it in a way that I can ignore it completely, or it's not prevalent enough, or people aren't talking about it enough that I don't have to see what his political beliefs or his personal beliefs are, and I can separate the actor from the character. And... I, I, and that's why I try to stay away from political stuff on on, on Twitter and on Facebook and and um, frank, frankly at work um, because people, and, and rightfully so I mean people are passionate about these things pa- people are passionate about these issues that, but once you certain people get this kind of thing about well if you don't agree with me then you're just wrong and you're bad how about okay i don't agree with you and you don't agree with me but i can respect you and i can respect where you're coming from that's kind of the point. respect and that's kind of the point of this podcast if you can call out things and be critical of where things are not working but do it respectfully do it in a way that just isn't dismissive and um i hope i'm accomplishing that um I hope that this podcast is doing that and doing that in a way that you know, people can enjoy. Um, so I think that's going to do it for my soapbox. I really didn't mean to go on this rant, um, but it, it's just kind of how I feel about the current state of, of fandom. And I just keep seeing it and I'm being inundated with it in social media, on YouTube, at work. Uh, you know, it's it's just kind of ridiculous. And I, I just don't know why people can't be respectful to other people. So, all right. I, I do have one more quick thing to talk about before we get into uh, the John Wick franchise uh, review. Um, and it's a series that's on Prime. It's not a Prime original series, but this is a, a um, I believe it was an Indiegogo uh, financed um, a, a finance series. Uh, called Bunkheads. you can view it on prime it's about six episodes long they're about 10 to 15 minutes an episode um and i I got a screener for it and i i kind of watched it this week um i I binged it i mean I, i went through episode one through episode six pretty quickly and it was very enjoyable it's um it's low budgeted and and i i looked at some reviews of it on uh on imdb and i thought some people were being unnecessarily uh critical of it like like i said they were not being really respectful they are not understanding kind of the aspect or, or where um where these people were coming from or how they were you know how how the thing was funded really but the basic premise of it is uh, a year into the zombie apocalypse we jump into an underground bunker where four zany survivors are hiding from the undead hordes above. The hardest thing isn't surviving, it's putting up with each other. And uh, your four main leads are uh, Khalif Boyd, uh, or Caliph Boyd, I'm sorry if I got that name wrong, plays Cash, Josh Covet as Matt, Chris O'Brien as Kip, and Carly Turo as Danny. And they're very four different types of people. Kip uh, wants to be the next big white rapper, Cash is kind of the techie nerd guy, but he secretly likes fitness, so he's really fit. Matt's kind of the the dad of the group, and and Danny is kind of the strong, assertive female uh, of the group. And uh, it's just a really enjoyable comedy. The first episode didn't really kind of grab me as much, but when I watched the other episodes, it it got progressively better. And some of the complaints I got, or not that I got, but that I saw on the IMDb reviews. Where that, oh, well, the set's cheap, the writing's not great, the acting's awful. First off, the set is very basic because it's a bunker and it may look cheap, but you gotta remember, this is independently financed. This is not a big studio that can throw millions of dollars into it. And with what they do with the set, it's really not bad. Uh, I mean it, it kind of not that it gives me the office vibes but the comedy kind of feels like the office like you know people who are constantly with each other who get very frustrated with each other and kind of want to bang each other over the head and, and stuff like that um, the characters are, are very fleshed out they do a whole episode or I mean they, their episodes really kind of talk about the individual characteristics of each one and um and, it, and it gets, it's really funny. It really is. And, and like I said, it gets progressively better with each episode. And, um, you know, you're not wasting a whole lot of time. It's, you know, 10 minutes. I mean, I, I, you're like looking at maybe an hour and 10 minutes in total just watching the entire series. And it really kind of takes a serious turn towards, I think, the last two episodes. Um, when you get more in-depth uh, look into kind of the characters' mental states... And and it's it's fun. It's it's a fun show, and I really hope that they do another season if they can finance it. Because I'd like to see where they where they could go with it. And uh, the talent's really good. Like that's the thing. I I didn't get the whole kind of well the acting's so awful. It was completely fine. I, the characters were believable to me. Um, like I said, the first episode is the one that I think is the weakest, but each episode afterwards gets um, really really good. And like the the ones i like the most i think are the final two where the um penultimate episode is uh dealing with uh, them in dreams that they're you know, and so you kind of get more of a look in their mental state kind of understand more of like what they wanted out of life before the zombie apocalypse and you don't get to see a whole lot of the zombies and that's mainly because of the budget but it, it works it's a little bit different than like something like the walking dead or z nation and um i i would really recommend it i mean you're not wasting any money you're not wasting a whole lot of time um so yeah give give that a give that a check and uh give it a watch i think you guys might enjoy it so all right now we're gonna go ahead and talk about the john wick franchise so i was not on the john wick bandwagon when when the first film came out a couple years ago i remember um I was seeing a movie with my buddy jake and the, and the trailer or the second one was just about the release and he was talking to me going oh my gosh john wick was so good and then i told him i hadn't seen it he's like what you haven't seen it oh man you need to see it i'm so ready for the second one like you need to see it now and i just didn't care and um so you know the second one came out i didn't watch it then finally the third they're talking about the third one and I didn't even watch the trailer, but I'm seeing movies with my buddy Cortland a lot more and I'm seeing movies in general a lot more in theaters thanks to my movie club uh membership with cinemark because you know it saves me money and it gives me a reason to go out more and since now I've got the podcast I need to, you know, get out and see these movies more frequently um and and talk about them. So you know, Cortland and I were supposed to see it together, um, but I wasn't able to really get these watched in a timely manner to go out and see it with him on Thursday night, and I didn't get to out to see it on Friday night, so I got to see it today, um, this morning. And so since I had not you know, watched the first two, I wanted to make sure I was adequately prepared for the third one. So I ordered them on 4K, and I watched uh, the first John Wick. All right, so my, fir- my, my thoughts on the first John Wick was... It was just okay i didn't understand it being from people um you know it's it's got great acting keanu is fantastic in it um, it's got great cinematography the choreographed fight sequences, the gunplay in it is amazing, the visuals are stunning everything primarily works but the story was lacking for me not so much the story of why, you know, of him losing the dog and and going kind of on this rampage it made sense to me that this was kind of the last Remnant of his wife, um, you know, because beginning of the film, no spoilers, but, you know, his, his wife has passed away and she knew that John would be kind of in a realm of um, despair. And so he she um, sets up this thing for a puppy to be delivered after her funeral. And she writes him like a little, you know, little note. And so John, you know, takes care of the dog, becomes attached to the dog. Um, and then some kind of Russian thugs uh, break into his house to steal his car and they murder his dog. Now, honestly, that was the hardest part of the movie for me to get through. When animals get hurt in films, I, 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 it hurts me because I, I love animals. Um, and so like that that all set up that work for me but what what the film ultimately failed to do in the first one to make me truly love it i think like everyone else was it didn't set up its world well enough for me it didn't set up the world of of this assassination uh i know it sounds like assassination but assassination this kind of under not really underground they're pretty much above ground i mean they almost act out in, in broad daylight at times throughout the movie but the the idea of what the coins mean the continental what it, it's its purposes management's purpose um you know it, it just didn't do that that justice this it, it, it was bare bones it was very bare bones i didn't really understand the world and the rules within the world working and so although the action sequences were great and keanu's act acting was great i wasn't really fully invested in it like i just like i can't really invest myself into the world if i don't know kind of the rules of it if i don't understand the purpose of it if i don't understand the motivation of other characters within it i still liked it i just i don't think i liked it as much as everyone else and so i was kind of worried because i i had a very tepid response to this um you know there are some really great sequences i think the the club sequence um when he goes after yosef or yusuf uh, however you pronounce uh, alfie allen's character's name um was really well done um the the warehouse scene kind of warehouse scene. it's more the safe house scene um when he goes after him later on in the film is, is really well done um so i mean like the, the the choreography and i'm one who really likes choreography um in films and in, in theater i took a stage combat course uh in college and i really enjoyed it and so i i understand the purpose choreography i really like that kind of stylized choreography choreographed fighting um intense sequences and that's where it really does succeed and i'm wondering if that's maybe what everyone was so in love with that they they disregarded some story aspects or some story holes that um they were so enraptured with with that aspect of it that they didn't care that things weren't fleshed out um because that truly is what the best the best thing about this first film is and um so i i enjoyed it but i I just didn't like it as everyone else as much as everyone else but i i think once the third one comes out on home release i might do a rewatch of all three together um back to back and see if maybe my opinions on that differ now after having seen the third one um so i think as a a review score for for that film and i don't i'm sorry i don't have a whole lot to talk about the first one uh it's gonna this will probably primarily all be about the third one uh i think i'd give it a a 3.5 out of five like i said i i enjoyed uh, a lot about it i enjoyed county's performance i enjoyed Willem defoe's performance michael knife uh if i said his name right uh is really good in it but it just also didn't quite make sense uh john leguizyama's uh although it's a very short role in the first one uh his performance is really good uh adrian Palecki is is really good in it um i i really enjoyed her character um i thought she was really great and uh I kind of liked how, you know, they, they did kind of give, give you some kind of rules to the world, like, you know, no blood can be spilled on the continental ground, uh, on continental grounds, and, you know, when she ends up, uh, quick spoiler alert, she ends up murdering another hitman or, while trying to get John, you know... Uh, uh, Winston uh, played by the great Ian McShane. I mean, he's he's a fantastic in all three films. He's fantastic about and anything. I mean, even the Hellboy reboot, which I wasn't a huge fan of, I liked him. I didn't like him as Broom, but I liked him as as his performance. Um, as the manager, you know, he decides that, you know, when she broke those rules, she exec- uh, she's executed for breaking those rules, which is important when it comes to the end of the second film and and kind of the results of what is the third film um so i think i think 3.5 is is where i land on that one uh that might change and i might do kind of a retrospective revisit once uh, the third one hits on home release and i kind of view it again um and we may have um, my co-host uh when um he gets a chance to watch it we might have a discussion about it l- later and see because i think he might enjoy it more than i did so uh that's gonna kind of wrap that one up and we're gonna move on to john wick chapter two now chapter two kind of wasn't it was an improvement not kind of it was an improvement it showed me more of the world i began to understand things a little bit better um, especially just also understanding that the second one is pretty much picking up right where the first one ends. So, I mean, it's almost no time has passed. He's getting his car back, which was stolen uh, in the first one. He doesn't get back at the end of the first one. He gets his car back. Of course, we find out that, you know, it's also because of it being connected to his wife. Uh, And so, we see the ramifications, the consequences of of John... He was originally retired. Uh, He'd gotten out of the life because of his wife. And because of of the events of the first movie, uh, with his dog dying and the car being stolen, he, you know, is going back for vengeance. And so, uh, him having done that, now has kind of everyone knowing or thinking John Wick is back He he's back he's back for business so John then is visited by um, by someone who holds uh, a marker for him and you know the markers explain that you know it's it's something done for somebody that requires a lot of effort um and so you you do this favor for someone and they owe you any favor in the world at some point whenever it's called and so John would not have to worry about this um marker if the events of the first film never never take place and so uh oh gosh I cannot remember his name but I think it's Santino I might have that completely wrong um, and comes calling, you know, going, okay, you're back. Um, well, since I got you out of this life, and now that you're back in it, I need you to do this. I need you to fulfill the deal of the marker. And, you know, John refuses, and so Santino destroys his house. And so we have John going back to the Continental, uh, talking with Winston and uh discovering that you know he's got to do it he has literally no choice but by his actions of doing it he has now upset and this is the problem with with the world building or with with the background and not fleshing out the world you have the organization that's the high table and the high table is what runs the kind of this network of assassins and it's led by a group of of families basically you like Russians, Italians uh, you know all these different groups who kind of sit at this table together to ultimately oversee the, the, the organization you don't kind of go against the table's wishes as you see in the third film and so what Santino wants is the murder of his sister who was willed the seat of their father um, and so John has to go and this contract but by doing so he's betrayed and so again it becomes another revenge aspect and uh you know one of the best things about this is is Ian McShane's off delivery of just like lines of things like you have no idea what you've unleashed and, and we see within these films like how much of a badass John Wick is um we see why people are literally terrified of him why he can do things with a pencil and and basically almost kill like an entire room with just a pencil Um, and so we see consequences of John's actions and and so the third uh, so the second film ends on a cliffhanger of okay John has now broken the rules itself and we saw from being set up in the first film that that does not go well. And it is only because of his relationship with Winston that he is still alive by the end of the of the second film. And that leads into the third film. Now, I I still kind of tuned out a little bit uh, of the second film. Like, again, some of the story aspects didn't work 100% for me. Um, Ruby Rose's character didn't really work for me. Like, I didn't understand why she didn't speak i mean she does sign language but there's no uh, nothing that establishes her character um their fight sequence is good but i'm also not a huge ruby rose fan i was not a fan of orange is the black i thought she was okay as uh Kay kane in, in the uh, crossover in the cw uh, dc universe this year um but uh she she she's not i don't think she's necessarily a strong actress in the sense of what she can deliver lines with. us and i'm wondering if that's why they just didn't have any any words for her or maybe they thought it was more intimidating to have her be uh using sign language versus being vocal. um the the final sequence that deals with kind of like a hall of mirrors or a maze of mirrors is really cool um uh, but it, it it's not the best either um, there are some really good shots. There's uh, like one particular shot of like just how you're thinking you're looking at at John from the front, but it's actually from the reflection of the mirror, and you're actually behind John. Uh, so there's some really good. Again, cinematography is fantastic. Action sequences are really strong. The gunplay is really strong. Keanu's really strong. Supporting characters are really strong. But the story, the story is improved. It's fleshing out the world more but I still don't quite fully understand I understand the markers. The markers made perfect sense to me, but it just it still wasn't completely sold on this world. Um, so for a review score on that, though, I, I have to give it a leg up on its predecessor and give it a 4.0 and, as a review score on that. So now here we come down to John Wick, Chapter 3, Parablet and in my opinion is probably the strongest of of all three films but i'm gonna have something to say about this after i i I, uh reach the end of this review so this one picks up right after uh the final sequence of john running with his dog uh away you know he's got an hour until basically every assassin in the world is going to come after john and uh, it picks up right after, right at, at that point. Although there's kind of a weird time thing, because I mean it's daylight at the end of John Book Two, but at the beginning of of three, it's dark. Um, but whatever, I can kind of overlook that. And uh, again, very strong sequences. I mean, the choreography in these films just blow me away. It's really well done. It makes sense. It's fantastic. The gunplay is fantastic. Keanu kills it every single time. I mean, he's really what sells these movies. Even if I didn't like any of the other aspects of that about the film, I could probably still watch it just for him alone. Um, I mean, and he doesn't even have a whole lot of lines. Like, it really, it's just his physicality in, in the film. And, and some line delivery, but it's just, you... you you're really understanding more of the heart of the character. You don't need him to express himself through words. It's more through his actions. And certainly his actions are are quite a lot in these, in these three films. Um, so with the, the premise of the third one is John trying to find a way to kind of get out of this situation that he is in. He wants to get back within the good graces of the high table, but really the only way to do that is to go above the high table. Um, and that's, that's the the only real thing I didn't care for. Um, when when that moment is reached in the film, I did not think that, one, I thought that there was some strings attached, like that there was something else going on there. Um, and I guess it wasn't. It was kind of really just not a great mislead. Uh, when you're calling someone the elder and the guy's not really that like old or kind of sage or wise it it didn't really work for me in that aspect um so and and i didn't get understand why he is above the high table like they they just don't really do a good job of explaining that aspect but um there are a lot of strong sequences The, the horseback sequence which was like the first image i saw released for this film when they started filming, and I saw a lot of people kind of swoon over was was him on a horseback. That is a really cool scene. Though actually, the whole horse scene, uh, stable scene is really good. There's he actually even a sequence prior to that in a library that's actually really good. And and although it's a, it hurts kind of to watch. Uh, a lot of people were chuckling chuckling with uh, what he can do with a book. I'll just leave it at that without going into detail. Um, and uh, so I think the, the other strong sequence, and this is kind of what I, I, I was saying earlier about the way that they can, you can do a strong female character without having to hit someone over the head with it, is Holly Berry's character. She doesn't get a whole lot of characterization. You don't get a whole lot of her backstory. But as soon as you meet her in the film, you understand she's a badass. You understand how she can hold her own. understand kind of where she's coming from and um, in fact uh, she is a lot like John in in a certain way and in fact there's a particular line that got a chuckle from everybody in the theater Um, so there's this compound sequence and you have two of she has two dogs two attack dogs wearing Kevlar vests and you have her and you have John and the whole sequence within the compound, it, it it doesn't even really focus on John a whole lot. Um, you know, John is there, but you you're more seeing it from her perspective and her using her dogs. And she is a complete badass in, in, in that sequence. And that whole sequence is really well shot and really well executed. Uh, just from the scenes that where she is attacking somebody and then she yells for her attack dog. and you know, Attack dog goes and gets another guy, and then what she does in response to that. And uh, there's even a scene where she's currently tussling with a guy and he's on the ground and there's a guy above her up this wall and he is about to kind of attack her and she calls for the dog, she's got her back bent a little bit, the dog jumps up on her back, jumps up on this like kind of little ledge and then gets up the other half of the wall to take down the other guy and it's just really well done, it's a lot of good continuous shots without breaks and and just very well choreographed very well sequenced very well executed and I think even though the the final sequence that happens within the in the continental is really good and really strong too this is the standout sequence within the film is my favorite sequence within it uh the camera work is amazing the the choreography is amazing the dogs I mean just just thinking about how they would have to use these dogs or train these dogs to do these sequences for the filmmaking aspect just really kind of blows my mind. Um, So you also, again, this kind of, this this whole series is about actions and consequences. And that's kind of a point that's driven home in this third film. And you're seeing people pay for their actions of the previous two movies. And, um, and that's actually a really nice way for, for this film to kind of also end too, is the consequences, the consequences that are going to be coming from the actions of, of, of the final scenes of the final sequence. And, um, cause it is set up for a fourth film and this being that it takes place immediately, right? Where two ends off, um. How about I go into my review score before I go on a, on that uh, that that thought anymore? Anyway. So this one I'm going to have to give it a four point five out of five. Um, it was I uh, I finally understood the world. I was understanding the rules. Uh, I think what helped was having watched the first and the second one relatively recently um, in conjunction with this with this movie. So uh, I I. Didn't have any year breaks in between. I didn't have to go and revisit anything. Everything was fresh in my mind. Uh, But ultimately, where this this one succeeded over the other ones was I. They, the characters were fleshed out. The story was fleshed out. the The rules of the world were fleshed out. In fact, you have someone explaining almost all the rules. You have an adjudicator character. um, Who's kind of criticizing certain key characters from the first two films for what their actions were in, their pre, in the previous films, and telling them that that ramifications are going to happen. Also, uh, and I'm, I might get his last name wrong, uh, Marcus Dukakis. I'm not sure if I have that right. Uh, you would recognize him from Double Dragon. Uh, I believe he played Kung Lao in uh, Mortal Kombat uh, Legacy Season 2. Um, you've seen him in multiple other things he is fantastic as you know i've I've seen people call him the villain he's not really the villain he's just a hit you know he's just an assassin like john and what's kind of funny with his character is uh there's a particular sequence near the end of the film but not to get in in the spoilers about like dialogue or anything but you kind of just discover he's like a huge john wick super fan and it's really humorous and it's also really kind of cool to think about like this guy uh admires john but you know he he also thinks he's on the same level as John and we're gonna see how that happens or how that ends for him uh you know in the sequence of the whole film um so I think that's why this one succeeds so much for me is it's definitely the culmination of all the films of all the actions of the whole arc of of the of these first three chapters um and I honestly think if they do if they do do another one um I think that needs to be the end because i think at that point there's not much else they can do they there's they might be stretching themselves too far they might even be stretching themselves too far with a fourth film but i think they have a fourth film there and i think they have a great idea a great concept for it and you'll know what i'm talking about when you get to the end of the film so i think that that's why it feels uh i feel like this is the best bunch out of the three um there wasn't much i disliked i didn't really like the adjudicator actress a whole lot um, but I think that that's uh, more, like, it's not really her performance. I think it's more of just knowing some things about her in, in the real life, in the real world. Um, that I, I, I'm just like, ugh, really? Okay, whatever. We're stupid. We're stupid people. Um, let's just get over ourselves. But, it's, it's just, she's still good. I mean, her acting's good. Her character's good. Uh, you understand where she's coming from. You understand what her purpose is within the film. So, I mean, it, it's neither here nor there. Uh, there wasn't a whole lot of things I disliked about this movie. I think it, it flowed really well. Um, you know, like I said, you're, you're seeing kind of the the ramifications of the actions of the previous two films. So my my real thought about this movie, and it would be kind of cool if they decided to ever like a super cut of this is that this these three movies should really be viewed as one because they really are one Um, I don't think that was the intent with the first one I think that the original director and writer intended that just to be a one-off but it was so successful and as you see with most films that are successful they tend to get sequels some are rushed some are ill-timed some are not needed Uh, but I I think it's good that they did it uh, because like i said the john wick 2 was a much more improvement if it had just been the first john wick i probably wouldn't care as much to ever revisit it Um, but i'm definitely more inclined to revisit it now that um, i've seen the third one and i know now a greater context for all three films and I really do think that they should be viewed as one. And if the fourth one comes out, the fourth one would be a great ending chapter. Um, and that you know that's where they need to probably lead the franchise off at. I don't think that there's any need to go further there unless they are creative enough story-wise to set up something else. But I just I just don't see it. Um, they've set up enough for a fourth film to make sense, and I think a fourth film would work. And a fourth film would be very interesting um but i don't think that they need to go any further than that uh unless they kind of go the harry potter route or the twilight route where they split like a fourth film up into two movies to kind of have a two concluding chapters um one other person I've, i've forgotten to mention in this review to really call out for his performance in the film is lance reddick as the uh as the concierge he is fantastic he is so good uh, his accent sometimes, I think more so in the third one, gets a little hard to follow, um, but it doesn't really hinder his performance. It's really great. His character really enjoyable, and uh, you'll know what I'm really talking about. He really kind of gets the shine in this film, uh, in the concierge or not in the concierge, scene, the Continental scene uh, in the climax. Um, so uh, it overall is. Fantastic! I'm really glad I kind of, I was debating whether or not to really get out and see it this weekend. I, I was like, well, I only thought the first one was okay. I slightly enjoyed the second one more. I'm not really sure the third one's going to do anything for me. I'm really glad I got out and saw it. Um, I enjoyed it a lot. The, the crowd I saw it with uh was really good and you know we all had moments where we're like oh ouch ooh or you know things that we like little lines that we laughed at little callbacks to the other movies um i know certainly had i not been prepped with the first two movies i would have been completely lost so if you haven't seen uh the previous john wick films go out and see those first and i would say like try to go out and see or see them first and then immediately go see the third one like don't wait a huge, whole lot of time in between viewings because I think you'll enjoy it more if you've, those things are fresh in your mind. Uh, so it's definitely one I'm going to be buying when it comes out on a whole release. Like I said, I'll probably do a retrospective or a revisit once it's out and I can view it as a kind of one whole piece, of course that'll be like a whole five hour thing. Um, but I, I'm excited to see where they will, where they may take this if they're able to. Uh, I know it's set to kind of dethrone Avengers Endgame in the box office this weekend, uh, as in the number one slot, and I think that's earned. And I think as long as it earns the money to kind of support another sequel, which I think it will, I think it will get it, you know, and they film these pretty quick, so, you know, it'll probably be here within two years' time, and that will be really awesome. Um, before I uh, kind of wrap up this episode, I, I do want to talk about um, the trailer for it chapter two and i had kind of a little bit a little bit of a disagreement with with uh one of my friends about about the trailer for it too and I, I don't think they understood where i was coming from or why i was not too thrilled by part of the trailer i think overall the trailer looks great i'm very excited for for it chapter two i think it's going to be fantastic but but my issue with this trailer, and it's my issue with a lot of film trailers, and it's my issue with with uh, the trailer for uh, Pet Cemetery, uh, re- the Pet Cemetery remake, because you're you're showing too much. You're sho- the the fact that they show almost the entire extended scene with Beverly revisiting her home, her childhood home, and showing the uh, Mrs. Kirsch stuff. Like it would have been great to just show. A portion of it shows some of the creepy moments of it but i did not need to see the whole scene i know about the scene i've read the book twice Uh, i've listened to it on audiobook twice i've watched the 1990 miniseries over and over again i do not think you need to show that whole sequence especially for people who aren't familiar um it was like them showing that Ellie is the one who dies in the car accident instead of Gage in Pet Sematary remake. Like you're showing too much, and when a trailer shows too much, I'm fearful for the fact that it, it that's that, that that they don't have that they're afraid that they're afraid that that this won't work. And I am not saying that it won't work. I thought the the little snippets of the rest of the trailer were great. Uh, I think everyone that they have cast is pretty spot on for. You know the car- the grown-up version of *Losers Club*. Um, but I just felt like there was no need to show that in almost entire scene. That entire scene from the novel in the trailer. Um, I think it would be great for people to experience that scene with within the uh, within the theater. And you might say, well, Patrick, um, the first trailer for it chapter one showed almost the entire sequence with with uh georgie well that sequence is not long that's very short and i'm pretty sure a hundred percent of the audience knew about that before going into the film so you know that at most that just showed only a tiny portion and also only showed a little bit of the beginning of the film you still have the rest of the film to go through this is a sequence that shows kind of almost it might be at the, more at the beginning, it might not, but it, it's just showing something that I think is something that needs to be discovered kind of fresh. I mean, yes, we know Pennywise is still alive, but um, I just don't think it was the best way to, to start off a trailer. But it doesn't hinder my excitement more. I think it's going to be good. I think it's, it's going to be one of the best adaptations, although I love the 90s version. I love Tim Curry's Pennywise. I love Tim Curry's Pennywise a little bit more than uh, Bill Skarsgård's Pennywise, but Bill Skarsgård's Pennywise is still great, too. I think if we didn't have the 90s miniseries and I didn't have something to compare it to, I would have... He would be, you know, my Pennywise. Um, I just don't think that they needed to show that much in the trailer, and I know the person I was in a discussion with, they loved that they showed that, and that's... That's fine. I have no issue with them loving that, that bit of the trailer, but I just... I just think that that was showing too much. And and we've seen a problem, and considering I I believe Warner Brothers is the studio behind this, um, one of the problems with Warner Brothers, especially with like the DC movies that they've done, is a lot of the trailers for those DC uh, comic movies is that they they show too much. We saw it with Batman v Superman. We saw a little bit of Justice League. We kind of saw, we knew how these third acts were going to end. Um, Because they showed too much in the trailers and I just think that you need to keep it a little bit shorter, a little bit tighter you need to leave a little bit more mystery in there, and yes, I know there's still plenty of mystery this is probably going to be over a two hour long movie that's only one small two almost two minute sequence, but let people discover these things in the theater for the first time, don't let them just be exposed to it, And then they're sitting there I'm, I'm not one to watch clips anymore, I used to watch clips when I was younger for films, because I'd be so excited but then I'd get bored, because I've already seen that part of the film I will watch trailers over and over again because I'm seeing only the same little bits without the context of the scenes that they fall within the film. And I have no issue then re-watching that on on the big screen in the context of the film because I can just be like, okay, well, that's the part I saw from the trailer, but this is where it sits within the grand scheme of things. When you show me a full extended scene, I know the entire scene and then I feel like I'm just re-watching it and revisiting it. So I probably will not re-watch the trailer a whole lot or at least that part of the trailer a whole lot because I don't need to keep watching an extended clip. But does it dim my excitement for the next one? Hell no. I am ready for it. September will be here before we know it. I may see it in theaters a couple times. I don't know. Um, But I know I will buy it as soon as it comes out. Hell, I'll probably buy it even if I don't like it. So um, that's just kind of my thoughts on, on some film trailers. You know, just... Just don't show us everything. That was one of the the things about the Avengers Endgame trailers. Like they they showed you enough and of course they had misleads in each trailer. Um, but they didn't give you the idea of they didn't show you the context of of the grand scheme of the film. So of course we'll get into that when we do the big round table. That should be coming up here shortly. Um, our final person should be viewing Endgame this weekend. And uh, when he is back here, I think all three of us will be recording um, in studio, uh, not that I have a real studio, but you know, in house, uh, and we will um, be having a big roundtable discussion. I don't know how long that episode will go. It might be pretty brief. It might be pretty long. We'll see. Well, uh, that's going to do it for this week's Critics Not Cynics. Um, if you guys have any thoughts, any questions, anything you want um, brought up on the podcast, you know, you can send me. Uh, a tweet at critics nt cynics or you can send me an email at critics not cynics at uh, some kind of upcoming episodes i've got a whole bunch of screeners i need to get through um, i know one particular episode i do want to discuss the documentary i watched for um, scary tales to tell in the dark uh, it was a really cool documentary it's not really super long, but uh, I highly recommend if you have a chance to get out and or not get out and see it. I think you can view it on demand. Uh, I would highly recommend to watch that. Uh, it's really good. Those books are near and dear to my heart. I'm excited for that movie. I don't know how the movie will be. Uh, I like the trailer, but I just don't know how they're they're going to adapt these stories or how these stories are going to be told. If it's going to be more of an anthology, uh, which I'm perfectly fine with. I love my horror anthologies. Um, so. That's going to be coming up, uh, I've got a bunch more screeners to watch, um, and plus some other films, and I might do some tweets out there to uh, ask if there's any films that you guys want me uh, to discuss on the podcast. Uh, I know I'm probably going to do a, a uh, more in-depth uh, episode on uh, Unlisted Owner. Um, I've seen on IMDb that getting a lot of hate, and although it's not a perfect film, uh, I think, you know, some hate on that is, is undeserved, um, and so I think that that d- deserves a, a uh, more in-depth episode to discuss uh, the merits of that film. Um, I do want to talk about Ghost of Mars. It's really funny. Uh, I did a tweet recently about... Uh, you know wanting a prequel and a sequel to that movie and if i was the only one which i thought i was the only one i got some nice response from that and then i recently saw like a tweet where this uh guy it's not anyone i follow but uh i guess one of my followers liked it and showed up in my timeline was that um he was like oh i bet this summer we're gonna see uh you know some people writing articles or blogs about how ghosts of mars was was uh a good film. And I don't know if, if he dislikes the film or if he, uh, likes the film, but I was like, ah, too late. You know, I'm already talking about it now. So I think that that's one, uh, I definitely want to visit. Um, and, uh, I do need to talk about, you know, Joe Bob's slash drive-in show. Um, I, I have been loving it. I've not been able to watch it like all the time, but, you know, the fact that, you know, Shudder at least gets them up there to be able to Watch them after the fact because I just can't stay up for five hours on a Friday night. I'm an old man, even though I'm 30. <laughs> you know, I, I can't stay up and watch it all. But he's got such insightful and, and funny commentary to add on to those films. Um, so I'm, I'm, I'm planning on doing like a review of, of that uh, series as a whole, uh, talking about some of the films. So, you know, some of the films were first time watches for me. Um, others were not, but just kind of talking about and hoping that that gets a second season, so that's kind of give you an idea of some things that will be coming up in the future, I think the next episode for sure will be Avengers Endgame, I know I've been promising it for a while now, um, but uh, we just have been waiting on on the, the third party to get it watched, and, and so he's uh, kind of caught up to be able to talk about it, uh, I'm sure there will be plenty of video game uh, talk in the future as well, I was going to talk a little bit about Mortal Kombat and Days Gone uh, on this one, but um, uh, you know, I just didn't have time. All right, guys. Well, we'll see you next time. All right.